0: Hello and welcome into today's episode where we will be joining Legacy Church there in Shelbyville, Tennessee, where I will be preaching a word that I pray and I hope blesses your life. I pray it takes you to greater heights in the kingdom. Get ready because I believe God is going to do something special with what you're hearing today. Coming at you today from Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22 through 32. Bible says this. Now he got up at the same night and took his two wives, his two female slaves and his 11 children and crossed the shallow place of Jappac. Touch a neighbor and tell him shallow. Touch another neighbor and tell him Jappac. Try it. Just try it. I don't know if you can pronounce it or not, but he took them and sent them across the stream. And he sent across what he had. So he sent his family and then he sent across all of his belongings in this moment. Verse 24 says, then Jacob was left alone. Touch your neighbor again. Tell him, get alone with God. He was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Don't y'all just love the Bible? A man just shows up and says, let's have a wrestling match. Come on, somebody. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have contended or wrestled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face. Yet my life has been spared. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel. And he was limping on his hip. Father, over the next couple of moments, I pray that you would anoint me and help me to preach this word today. God, you've given me something for the people I think that will change their life forever if we really grab a hold of this. And understand that there is a blessing in the breaking. Father, we honor you and give you praise and glory. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Y'all see me using a solo cup. It's just water. So don't send me an email. Just kidding. But, uh, man, I I'm excited for the word this morning. So God has given me a message. I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes from a message that I've entitled the blessing in the breaking. Come on, touch a neighbor and tell them, get blessed when you get broke. (laughs) Come on, blessing in the breaking. So when you get broke, you can get a blessing. Amen. You got to be broken before the Lord. But let me give you a little backdrop and a little backstory as we get started here. Jacob is the great grandson of Abraham and his father is Isaac. Y'all have probably heard this said a lot. It's all throughout the scriptures. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. Jacob. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob is also the brother of Esau. He is the daughter of Rebekah. And he is the twin brother of Esau. And so when Esau and Jacob are born, Jacob Is the younger one because Esau is coming out first and Jacob grabs his heel as if to pull him back into the womb so that he can be born first. Come on, somebody. That brother was hungry to be born first, right? He was hungry for that blessing already, even from the womb. And so he grabs his heel and tries to pull him back in. And so when he is born... They give him the name Jacob, which means one who grabs the heel. And you hear that name and you think, well, that's what he did. That doesn't sound that bad, right? Well, it doesn't sound that bad until you dig a little bit deeper and you find out that one who grabs the heel is a Hebrew idiom that that means trickster and deceiver. Means trickster and deceiver. So... When they name Jacob this, this gets ingrained in the very fiber of his being that he is a trickster and that he is a deceiver. Every time he shows up to a family event and they call his name, he's called trickster and a deceiver. And he ain't even done anything yet as a child. Y'all catch and follow me here. So so this thing has been ingrained in him in Jacob to believe that this is his identity and this is who he really is. And guess what happens after that? After you begin to believe an inner narrative about yourself, you will actually begin to produce it. Oh, help me preach in here. You know, the scientists and medical experts actually believe that it only takes 21 days for you to change an inner narrative about yourself. But it takes a long time to get an inner narrative about yourself developed. But you can shift it and change it. Amen. And so, Jacob is the son of the patriarch. Isaac... Jacob, at at his birth, he's holding on to the heel of Esau. He's trying to pull him back into the womb so that he can be born first. So Jacob runs around his entire life. Jacob runs around his entire life being told, even from a child, that he is a trickster and he is a deceiver. You know, Jacob is known for two tricks that he pulled or two stunts if you will that he pulled in the old testament number 1 is that he convinced his brother esau he convinced his brother esau to sell him his birthright for a bowl of soup and some translations translate it as porridge but if you dig a little deeper some translations even tell you it was, it was a bowl of lentils y'all it's a bowl of beans He traded his birthright for water mixed with beans and maybe a little seasoning. I don't know what they put in it back then. He didn't even get it for no chicken noodle. He didn't get it for no chili. Like he didn't even get it for nothing good as a bowl of beans is what Esau sold his birthright for. Now you might not think that's a big deal, but hold on just a second. Let me read to you what a birthright meant in the Hebrew culture. The birthright was the natural privilege of the firstborn son. Receiving the birthright, the firstborn son would become head of the family and he would be in charge of the family, including the family property. He would be responsible for the welfare of the younger sons, the widow, or any unmarried daughters. He would exercise considerable authority over the members of the family. The blessing that he received would also place him in a special covenant relationship with the Lord during the patriarch patriarchal period when Jacob and Esau lived, God dealt directly with the heads of family. The Hebrews counted the blessing given by the father to be very important and considered it an oral contract, which was just as binding as a written contract. So are y'all catching that the birthright was not just about stuff. The birthright was tied to who would directly hear from God and the family. There wouldn't be no middleman or middleman with the person who was given the birthright and the blessing. So, looks like Jacob isn't just hungry for a bowl of soup, but it sounds like Jacob is actually hungry for the things of God. This ain't just about a bowl of soup. This is about Jacob having an understanding that if I get the birthright and if I get the blessing from my brother, that I am going to be the one who directly hears from God. I'm not going to have to have somebody go get a word from God and then bring it uh, and then bring it back to me. I'm going to be the one who is able to hear from God and have the spirit of God and the anointing of God resting on my life and resting on my family. Amen. Y'all remember that the number two stunt that he pulled as a trickster was that he convinced his father to give him the blessing instead of Esau. You know, the Bible actually teaches that Jacob loved Esau. He loved Esau. He was his firstborn son. There, There was something special to him about Esau. He loved his cooking. Esau was a hunter. So Esau would go kill game and bring it back to his father. And one day Jacob goes in there, uh, uh, by by the way, his mother sent him in there, his mother sends him in there and he goes in there and he wraps himself in skin and the skins of animals because Esau was a hairy man. And so he wraps himself in the skins of animals and he goes in and acts like Esau and Jacob at this time is older in age. The blessing is about to be passed off to the next generation. He can no longer see well, and he comes in there acting like Esau, and he gets his father to give him the blessing. He pulled a trick. He pulled a stunt so that he could receive the blessing of, can I just say, Jacob was grimy, (laughs) y'all. Jacob was a savage. He would, he did not care who you was or what you was about. He would push you out of the way to get to the things of God. He he knew what was tied to this. Let me me just read what the blessing was in Genesis 28. See the smell of my son. It is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. This is Jacob speaking when he is is, uh, blessing Jacob. And so he says, see the smell of my son. It is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers, and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed will be those who bless you. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Blessed like a field. What does a field that is blessed do? It, as it produces and it is fruitful. Jacob is the one who birthed the twelve tribes of Israel. He's the one who births Joseph as well. And then he talks about the dew of heaven, meaning that he will have heavenly and spiritual encounters. It is Jacob here who wrestles with God. It is Jacob who is at Bethel earlier before and he sees the ladder and he says, surely the Lord is here because he sees the angels ascending and descending on this ladder. Like this blessing that he got from his father opened him up to the spiritual realm. This was a big deal. He tells him you'll have the fatness of the earth, earthly possessions and wealth. Grain and wine, provision and food, brothers, meaning the Hebrews and other nations would bow down to him. The blessing gave him kingship. Mothers and sons would bow down over and he would be master over his brothers, meaning he would be the family leader. Cursed will be those who curse you and blessed will be those who bless you. Now, that's a blessing if I ever heard one. I mean, did y'all catch all of that? He, he blesses him and he opens him up to the spiritual things. He blesses him and he opens him up to the practical things. He would have wealth and provision. He blesses him and his family. He would be leader over his family. He blesses him and he also makes him leader over a nation and over the tribes of the Hebrew people, right? You know, you got to pay attention to this because Jacob is obsessed with the blessing of God. He is obsessed With getting the blessing from his father and the birthright from his father. This is very significant because Jacob is obsessed with the things of God. Let me help us today too. This is why the Bible says that Jacob I have loved... And Esau, I have hated. I I was having a good conversation with our youth pastor, Hayden, just a couple of days. And he called me and we was talking about this. And a lot of people get caught up in this discussion and then they go into left field about predestination. Look, predestination is real, but what you are predestined to is to be conformed to the image of his son. You that's Romans 8. I got Bible for it all day. God doesn't predetermine and predestine folks to go to hell. He just knows what your heart is. So you still have free will, but your free will will determine where you end up. But in his foreknowledge, he knows it. So this is why he says in that moment, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau I've hated. Why does God make a statement like that? Because he knows that Esau despises the family lineage, the family heritage. He's heard the stories, the same stories that Jacob has heard around the campfire with Abraham and Isaac, and he despises it. He doesn't care about it. But Jacob is obsessed with the things of God. Jacob is obsessed with his family heritage and lineage. He knows that his father will birth a nation that will be as numerous as the sands on the seashore and as numerous as the stars in the sky and not only his nation but the other nations around the world would be blessed through him and Jacob says I want some of that I want some of a legacy I want something that is going to last from generation to generation I want the blessing of the Lord I want the presence of God on my life I want the oil I want the anointing I want to do and be an accomplish everything that god has set out to accomplish through my family lineage jacob is obsessed with the things of god and esau takes him lightly and they have become some common thing to him oh help me church don't, don't let the glory and the anointing of God and the presence of God in our services become some common thing to you. When you come into this building and we lift up the name of Jesus and his presence steps into the room because we hold on to that promise that where two or three are gathered there he is in the midst and he inhabits the praises of his people don't be looking around and just let this become some common thing to you. I'm reminded of another story in the Bible where the glory and the presence of God had become common to Uzzah, and David is carrying the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, and it's the very glory and the presence of God that is about to once again enter into Jerusalem. And he reaches out and touches the Ark of the Covenant when he was never supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant, and he knew that. But he had it had become some common thing to him. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant has spent twenty years at his daddy's house, and he went in. The day after day and it was just common and it was on the property and oh yeah that's the ark of the covenant that's where the glory of god rests that's where the presence of god is but it becomes some common thing to him and when it becomes some common thing to you you might reach out disrespect it and touch it and it kill you it killed him physically but if you let the glory and the presence of god become some common thing to you it can kill you spiritually I'm preaching real good. Come on. 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 This is significant because he is hungry for the things of God. The first thing I want to show you about this text is that God tells him, I need you to go. I need you to leave where you are at right now. I need you to leave where you are at right now. You're comfortable. If you don't know, he has been working for Laban for 20 years. He's been working for his mother's uncle and he has gained wealth. He has got two wives. He's got 11 children now. The Lord has blessed him. He has finances. He has provision. Uh, God's hand is on his life and God tells him it's time for you to get up and go and go back to your father's land. Where, by the way, Esau is hanging out and Esau has declared that I'm going to kill him. Sometimes God don't ask you to go and do the easy thing. Amen. But Esau wants to kill him and God tells him, no, you need to you need to go back over there. You need to go where your father's land is. And Jacob, his entire life has been dealing with this identity crisis, this issue going on on the inside of him where he loves God and he loves the things of God Uh, But he can't shake who he is. He can't shake... His name. He can't shake it. It's been ingrained in him. But he's about to have this moment. He's about to have his Abraham moment. He's about to have, have his Isaac on the altar moment. He's about to have his Moses burning bush moment, if you will. Jacob is about to have an encounter with the Lord. Because he walks in obedience to the things of God. And he leaves everything behind. And he goes back where God tells him to go. And the moment that he goes back where God tells him to go. God starts speaking to to him immediately. God starts speaking to him immediately. You know, when he tells him to go to the brook of Jappic, God starts speaking to him immediately and he also does something else. He strips him. When he gets to the brook of Jappic, you've got to understand this. God tells him, okay, get all your other stuff. Put everything on the other side of Of this river. Put everything on the other side. Of this brook. Everything that your identity is in. Everything. Your your possessions. Your family. Your kids. Your two wives. Take everything and put it over there. And then I want you to cross. The brook of Japhic. Japhic. Is a Hebrew play on words. With his name. Jacob. And Japhic. Sound the exact same. In the Hebrew language, it's Jav, uh, Jav, uh, Javak is how his name is in Hebrew. Javak, Jappik, Javak in Hebrew. And so when he takes him to this moment, God is already speaking to him because Jappik actually means shallow place. Mm. He's showing Jacob as soon as he gets over there in the land that God told him to go, Jacob, you're shallow, son. You're shallow. Let me strip you. Of everything. You put your possessions. You put your wealth. You put everything that you find your identity in. You place it on this side of the brook. And you cross through this shallow point right here. And I'm showing you everything that you've got going on. Jacob you're shallow. You love me. But you're going to have to get to the deep things of me. If you ever want to get a breakthrough. If you, uh, you, you want the things of God. Oh help me. You want the things of God, but I'm going to have to teach you here in a couple of minutes and here in a couple of moments that it's going to take more than the things of God. You're shallow, son. You need to go into some deeper waters. Come on. Anybody ever been there before where you've just your relationship with God has just been shallow? Come on. I'll admit it myself. Uh, Being young in Christ, sometimes our relationship with God can be shallow, but we've got to grow. We've got to grow deeper. Come on. We've got to go into the deeper waters, right? And so he begins to work on Jacob as soon as he crosses over to the other side. Soon as he crosses over to the other side and he shows him, you're shallow and he strips him. And here's where it gets really good too. Did y'all catch what the Bible said there in verse 24? The Bible said there in verse 24, and he was alone with him. Help me, Holy Ghost. Come on. on, We... In the church and the body of Christ. You as an individual. You as a believer. You as a son and a daughter of the one true living God. The one true king. Change and shift can happen in your life. When you go get alone with God. Come on. I'm telling you. You've got to get alone with God. You've got to hit a prayer closet with God. You've got to shut the door behind you. Jesus says it like this. He says go into secret and pray to your father who is in secret because he who sees you in secret can reward you in the open. We got too many Christians that want to be rewarded in the open but ain't done no thing in secret that won't shut the door behind you and say God I'm not leaving this room until you visit me God I'm not letting go until you visit me God I'm not letting anybody in until you visit me God I'm breaking open my word I want to be alone with you. I want to worship you. I've got to let you get here and be alone with you so that you can wrestle the stuff that I struggle with my issues and the things going on inside of me so that you can remove them. It's going to take a wrestling match with God and you one-on-one with him to ever get you to a place Of shifting you from a trickster or an addict or a liar or a thief or or an adulterer or somebody who struggles with lust. Y'all ain't helping me preach this morning. I'm going to preach it anyways. Come on. You've got to get alone with God for him to wrestle all of those things and break them off of you and get them out of you. But it starts with crossing the shallow place and getting alone with God. You've got to get alone with him. You've got to get alone with him. Touch a neighbor. Tell him, get get alone with him. Come on, get alone with the king. Mm. Second thing I want to show you is this too. Jacob is strong. Jacob is strong. Touch a neighbor and tell him, Jacob is strong. Look, all you husbands, I see y'all talking. I see you, man. I see some of y'all. I'm strong, baby. I'm (laughs) I'm finna bust you up too. Hold on. So this is Jacob's problem, y'all. This is Jacob's problem. He's strong. He's too strong for his own good. He's too strong for his own good. I'll give you two examples of this right here. He's too strong for his own good. So when Jacob, uh, uh, Isaac tells him, you need to go find your wife, son. You need to get out of here. You need to spread your wings and fly. You done ticked off your brother Esau. You've ticked off me. You done stole the birthright. Like, just get out of here. Go work for your Uncle Laban on the other side of the desert over here somewhere. And just get out of here and go work. Go get your wife. Start your family. Haul it back at me. What he said. That's the Caleb McCall version. CMV paraphrase. But he tells him, just go. He says, all right, I go. He gets to the well and there's a bunch of shepherds. He gets to this well near his uncle's house. And at this well, there's all these shepherds around. There's all these shepherds around. And Jacob is saying, I'm thirsty. What are y'all doing? There's a well right here. It's covered up. But why is nobody? Excuse me. Why are we not drinking? Why are we not giving our animals water? And then here comes Rachel. Oh, she's fine. She ain't as hot as my wife, but she's she's fine. That's what the Bible says, anyways. <laughs> it says she's beautiful. She's beautiful. <laughs> but so what happens here is Jacob, Jacob, he tells and Rachel shows up, y'all. And 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 Jacob said, okay. I like that one. I want that one. So he says, well, they tell him, well, there is a a rock over the well, and we're waiting for the rest of the shepherds to get here so that we can move this rock so that we can give the animals the water. And Jacob pulled one of these. All you former heathens going to know what I'm talking about. He pulls one. Hey, hold my beer and watch this. (laughs) Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Heathens. He hold my water. Okay, what? <laughs> he he pulls and he goes picks up the rock on his own that the shepherds told him, "No, you've got to wait. We need a bunch of us to pick this rock." Jacob is a strong individual, individual. The other example is this is that whatever bodysuit that God put on that day because it said that he wrestled with God. It was Jacob was strong enough that God would could not prevail over him until he touched the socket of his hip and dislocated it. Jacob was a bad dude, y'all. I just imagine him looking like the Rock or something. He's a bad dude. And so Jacob was strong, but here is Jacob. Yeah, help me, Holy Ghost. The problem with strong people is that they do not know how to depend on God. Ooh. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, some of us were so strong. We're so strong-willed, we're so strong-minded, we're so stubborn, we're so pig-headed, bull-headed, whatever you want to call it, depending on what side of the south you're from. Like, Like, whatever you want to call it, you think that you're so strong, you think that you're so powerful that you have no idea how to depend on God. And when you think that you're so strong and you don't depend on God, God has got to get you to a place where he can wrestle you and break you down. Jacob is so strong that he thinks that he can do things on his own. He thinks he can become a patriarch on his own. He thinks he can accomplish the things of God for him on his own. Jacob has no dependency on God and the things and the spirit of God being upon his life. There's a disadvantage to being strong or strong willed in the kingdom of God. Here it is. If you're taking notes, God doesn't need you strong. He needs you broke. He doesn't need you strong. He needs you broke. God does some of His greatest work when you are broken. God does some of His greatest work when you are weak because when you are finally weak, there He can become strong. When you are weak, you can have a revelation and an indication that you need God on your life. You need the Spirit of God. You need the oil of God. You need the anointing of God. And you ain't doing a thing, Jack, without it. God needs you broke. He doesn't need you strong. He needs you to have a have have a brokenness and a weakness that says, "God, I can't do it without you." I can't preach without you. I can't play this instrument without you. I can't launch that business without you. I can't launch this ministry without you. I can't be a good husband without you, God. I can't be set free from addictions without you, God. I need your spirit. I need your anointing. God is looking for some broken people. He's not looking for people that think they've got it all figured out and they've got everything together. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you that God is looking for somebody who knows their need for a savior I'm not saying you can't be confident what if you switched it from confident to god to where your confidence is fueled by God and God alone because if your confidence is not fueled by God you'll become arrogant and prideful and your life will be an absolute mess help us Lord watch this when God saw he was so strong, not just physically, but strong-willed, stubborn in his mind, stubborn in his thinking as well as physically. As well as physically. That's when God got him and he gets alone with God. Pay attention to that. Don't forget that. He gets alone with God. And when he gets alone with God with no distractions, no outside noise, no responsibility. That's where God breaks him. That is where God Breaks them, what do you mean, Pastor, by God breaking you? I thought he loved me, I thought he wanted to bless me, I thought he wanted me to prosper in body and spirit, just as my soul prosper he does he does break me that sounds violent, Pastor. Well, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. You need to understand what i 'm telling you when i 'm talking about. The breaking, what I mean in the breaking is that you have complete reliance on God. That's what the breaking is. That's what the breaking is. It's not that God wants to break you to destroy you. God wants to break you so that he can use you. The breaking is about complete reliance on God and the things of God and the word of God and the presence of God. The breaking is complete reliance on him. That's what being broken before the Lord is. It's your realization that I can't do nothing without you, God. I can't accomplish nothing without you, God. I need a savior. Let me give you. A good way for you to tell if you're really broken before God or not. Watch this. Can you tell when he walks in the room? Can you tell when he walks in the room? Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, the prophet steps into eternity and the throne room of God and his immediate response is brokenness. And he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. I have seen the king. I'm about to die. And he falls over on the ground. But then the angel of the Lord comes up to him and touches his lips with a coal from the throne and he's able to get up and stand in the presence of the Lord and say here I am Lord send me what are you trying to say pastor I'm trying to tell you if you want to realize that you are broken before the Lord or if you are broken before the Lord you will feel the transition of when his spirit and his presence walks into the room because your immediate response and your spirit is oh woe is me I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips holiness has just stepped into the room I'm telling you right now when I'm in my prayer closet and I'm alone with God I'll be praying. Praying for a couple of minutes, and it might take a couple of minutes sometimes, but I feel a shift when he walks into the room. And when he walks into the room, there'll be tears that'll begin to fall from my face, and I'll begin to weep in the presence of God, realizing, Oh my God, he is actually here and he is holy, meaning he's distinct, he is different. But then there's a shift that happens a couple seconds later, and the grace of God floods the room, and the grace and compassion and mercy of Jesus floods the room. And I might be able to get up off the floor, and just begin begin to praise him and just begin to thank him because even though my life has been unclean there's one that makes me clean come on there's one who has shed his blood there's one who went to calvary for me there's one who didn't stay in a tomb but he got up and resurrected so that i can have a resurrection and a new life and have a born-again experience and even though all the stuff that i've done and all the wrongs i've committed in my life i'm right with god because i'm right with christ That's how you can tell if you're broken before the Lord or when he walks into the room. Have you been so desensitized that you can't even tell? Wow. Come on, when we're worshiping. Are you engaging with the presence of God? or Are you looking around and wondering, well, who would look at me? Come on, bro. I, I know that's hard, but come on. C- come on can you tell? When he walks into the room and are you willing to give him your all when he walks into the room? Not caring what anybody would say about you. Come on. I remember when I first got saved. I remember the first time I lifted my hands in worship. I was in Teen Challenge in Fredericksburg, Virginia. At an all black church. They was throwing down brother. (laughs) Hey, let me tell you something right now. Worship is contagious. Contagious. Yeah. Worship is contagious. Yeah. 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 They, they was jumping and shouting and singing and dancing. I said, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I ever did it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> there was freedom in the room, though. Come on, they wasn't worried about what nobody else was saying, doing or thinking. They was giving God their all and giving him praise and giving him what he's worthy of. They knew and recognized when he stepped into the room. And their only proper response oh. to that was, I've got to worship the king. Come I've got to give him my all. I ain't got time for cute church. He's done too much for me. He's protected me from too much. He's been too good. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on, somebody. He's been too good. And we worried about somebody looking at us. I could care li- I ain't got a dancing bone in my body. I can't dance, but I jiggle a little bit. That's all I can do, but I'll do what I can do. When I jump, I get about this high off the ground. But come on, I want to jump. I want to dance. I want to sing before the Lord because he's been too good, y'all. He's been too good. He's been too good. That's how you can tell if you're broken before the Lord. I got to hurry. Catch the next text here. He breaks them and then he holds on. Let me help us with the breaking. The breaking is all about humility. Humility. The breaking is all about humility. He breaks him and he has no other choice but to hold on. He breaks him and then he holds on. Come on, what would happen at Legacy Church? What would happen at your fam- in your family? What would happen in your marriage if you got broken before the Lord and then you humbled yourself before God and held on to Him and said, God, I'm not leaving this prayer closet until you bless me. God, I'm not leaving this altar until you bless me. God, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. God, I refuse. You- God, you've done broke me. I can't get up. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to walk with a limp the rest of my life, God. But if you'll bless me, I can walk with a limp and be blessed and have and do everything that you've called me to do and say, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. It's about humility. Do you understand? Watch this. Let me teach you something. Hosea chapter 12, verse 4. Can y'all put that up on the screen? This is Him. This is Hosea, the prophet, talking about this encounter with Jacob. Yes, he wrestled with the angel. That's the angel of the Lord. It's really Jesus, but I ain't got time to unpack all that. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. He wept and sought him For his favor. He wept. And sought him. For the blessing. He wept. And sought him. He implored him. Is what my text says. He wept. And he implored him. For the favor. And the blessing of God. As he's holding on to him. This wasn't some cute. Oh God bless me. God bless my finances. God bless my marriage. God bless my kids. This wasn't. Some cute. Will you bless me? And give me some stuff. This is Jacob broken before the Lord and holding on to him and weeping and travailing and crying and saying, God, I realize now I can't do this without you. If I'm gonna step into the shoes of my grandfather Abraham, if I'm gonna step into the shoes of my father Isaac, I am going to hold on to you. I'll be broken before you. I will weep before you. I'll cry. I'll I'll travail. I will hold on to you, God. And I'm not letting go until you bless me. It wasn't some cute little praise. It wasn't some cute question that he was asking... It was so it was so dramatic. We would probably take the person on the on the in the back room and be trying to cast devils out of them. But but that ain't what's happening. It's somebody who's broken before the Lord, who's weeping and crying and and just screaming out to God, saying, "I'm holding on until You bless me. I'm holding on until You bless me." Thank you, Lord. Watch this. Here we go. I'm almost done. The blessing from the father is not transactional, but it is a state of being. The blessing that Jacob is looking for, it's not one of transaction, but it is a state of being. Do you understand that Jacob's greatest struggle in his life was that he had a blessing from his father. But he didn't have a blessing from his father. <laughs> Until this moment. He had had the blessing. And the birthright. From his earthly father. Transactional. But he had never had a blessing from his heavenly father. Which is transformational. Yes. The blessing from your earthly father. Father or mother can be transactional, but one that comes from Yahweh is transformational. Transformational. You see, the blessing from his earthly father was transactional in nature, but the blessing Jacob was trying to get was now supernatural. It was a blessing that could take him from always trying to do to finally just be. Oh, there's a shift in the Christian's life. When you stop trying to do everything right and then you realize that you're already been made right with God. Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1 says you're holy, blameless and righteous in the eyes of the Father when you're in Christ. And so if that is how the Bible describes you, it'd be a whole lot easier to just become that because he says you already are that than to try to do that all the time and get caught up on the treadmill of performance instead of walking in sonship. When you have the blessing of God on your life, let me just, I need to break down for you what the blessing is. Do You understand the blessing of God on your life is his divine empowerment on your life. This ain't about stuff. I'll back that up with some more scripture. Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. The stuff will be added to you, but it'll never be added to you if you don't put God number one in your life. So the blessing is God's divine empowerment. Watch this. The blessing is God's cooperation with heaven and earth for you to rule your world around you and not let it rule you. Y'all missed it. That is the blessing of God on your life. Is God's cooperation with heaven and earth. Meaning that everything that was written in your book about your life in heaven can cooperate with earth and you now have divine empowerment, aka dominion, to rule the world around you instead of the world around you ruling you. That's the blessing. It's the Genesis 1 mandate where he says that man shall have dominion over the earth. You should have dominion over your joy. You should have dominion over your peace. You should have dominion over your relationships. You should have dominion and control over your relationships and how people treat you and how you respond to the way that they treat you. You should have dominion over your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. Because those things come from the spirit that lives in. In you. What if we would let the spirit control our life instead of this? Oh, then you really start talking and walking in power. So the dominion mandate. We should have dominion over our feelings, dominion over our peace, dominion over our house, dominion over our finances. Come on, dominions over our relationships and not let our relationships control us. When Jacob gets blessed by God, watch this, the thing that used to run and drive him, he would now run and drive. That thing that was destroying him would no longer destroy him, but he would have authority over it. Amen. Worship team, will y'all come? Last thing I want to talk to you about with this text is this. Jacob gets alone with God. God wrestles with him. God breaks him. Come on, God wrestles with him. God breaks him. They have a little dialogue with one another. Who are you? Who are you? Your your name is no longer Jacob, but now your name is Israel. Meaning one who wrestles and struggled with God, but has prevailed. Now God has shifted this thing all the way back to identity. He removes the thing that's been driving him. He, He removes the thing that's had control over him. He removes this thing that's dictated where he has went, how he's responded, how he's reacted to life. And he has removed it from him and called him Israel. Meaning one who wrestles or struggles with God and man and has Prevailed. Prevailed. How did he, how did he wrestle with God and with man? He wrestled with man and with God, but he prevailed? Prevailed means win. God told him, you just had a wrestling match with me and you won. God, you broke his hip God you won but God didn't look at it that way why Jacob won and prevailed because God can't resist a broken person Jacob prevailed because he had the real blessing of God Not just the blessing of Isaac, his father, but he had the blessing of Yahweh, his father. And God can't resist a broken person. Prove it to me, pastor. Just look at King David. The Bible calls him a man after God's own own heart. And he commits one of the most wicked and heinous crimes in all of the Bible. By number one, committing adultery, stealing a man's wife, and then murdering him by putting him on the front lines. But they called him a man after God's own heart. The prophet Nathan comes to him and he calls him out for his mess. We need more people that'll call us out for a mess. But he calls him out on his mess. In front of everybody. Repents in front of the entire nation of Israel. Rips his clothes, sackcloth on his head, fasting and praying. He didn't just come to an altar and say, I'm sorry. No, it broke him. He was broken before the Lord. We don't read of David getting caught up in any of that stuff again. Why? Because he was actually repentant and broken before God, and God cannot resist broken people. God can't resist people who even though they make mistakes, they are completely reliant on him knowing that they're nothing without him. What about Peter? Peter is a mess, y'all. Denies him three times, cusses out a little teenage girl, chops somebody's ear off a a couple of uh, days before the scenario of what I'm about to tell you. But then there was breakfast cooked for him one day on a seashore. And Jesus asked him, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He's saying, phileo, phileo, phileo. That's brotherly type of love. That last time Jesus asked him, he breaks and he says, I agape you. I love you with no conditions. I just love you for you. Yes, I'll go feed your sheep. He breaks them. Bam. then the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes and he's unstoppable the rest of his life he loves God so much he gets crucified upside down saying I'm not even worthy to be crucified like the master Jacob trickster deceiver yet God breaks him then he blesses him he breaks him Then he blesses him. I believe that there's some people in the room today that God wants to bless. Come on, we ain't gonna do the whole head bow eye closed thing today. I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you want the blessing of God on your life? Do you want the blessing of God? Do you want Him to bless you? Meaning that, 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 that His hand will be upon your life. That you'll walk in this state of being of the blessing. Not about stuff, but that you'll walk in the state of being that everywhere the sole of your foot treads. The territory is yours because you're walking under something supernatural and the divine empowerment of God. Come on, if that's you, we got one. He's He's smart enough to already respond. Come on, if you want the blessing of God on your life, just lift your hand. Lift your hand if you want the blessing of God on your life. Now I want you to do something crazy. I want you to get up out of your seat and run to the altar. If you want the blessing of God on your life. I know it's going to be packed. I know it's going to be no room. But I wonder, is there anybody who really says, I want the blessing of God on my life. I want the divine empowerment from God on my life. Come on. Make room for him. Come on. Thank you, God. We want the blessing, God. We want the divine empowerment from God. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Now watch this. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. You, the, those of you that are in your seat, I still believe you want the blessing of God. That's okay. Come on. I want to everybody in this room, if you really want the blessing of God on your life, I want you to pray a crazy prayer. And don't pray it if you don't mean it. Look at me. Don't pray it if you don't mean it. Get up here and, and pray. And I want you to ask God to break you today. God, to break you, meaning that you will have complete reliance on his spirit, on his word, on his presence. Come on, begin to pray right now, church, and ask God, God, break me today. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, break pride or arrogance off of my spirit. God, break me down today, God, and let me not leave this room. Let me not leave this church building without a true understanding of being broken before the Lord. God, give us our limp today, Lord. Give us our limp today, God, that we would walk broken before you, Lord. We would walk broken in the presence of God. We would walk broken all the days of our life, that we would walk broken in our marriage so that we can honor our spouse the way that we should honor our spouse that we would walk broken in the workplace so that people would see our limp and ask us where they got it from ask us where we got it from and say why do you walk broken why do you rely on God so much I want some of what you have I want to rely on God like that God break us in this moment God break us in this moment break our heart for what breaks yours God that when we see somebody who's lost when we see somebody who's hurting when we see somebody who is broken Lord that God we can't see the need and not respond as you would respond Hallelujah Break us God Break us, God. Break us, God. So that you can put a blessing on our lives. God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus. God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus. That because there's a people in this room today that say, God, I want to be broken that say, God, I want to rely on you. God, I'm not relying on my talents, my giftings, and my abilities. God, I'm not even relying on my anointing. God, I'm relying on you. I'm relying on the finished work of the cross. I'm relying on your presence on my life. God, because these people are making that commitment today, I pray for the blessing of God to be on their life. God bless them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. God bless them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. That God everywhere the soul of their foot treads that God you would bless them. That there would be a divine empowerment upon their life. That God You would divinely empower and inspire them to accomplish everything that you have set for them to do. May they be patriarchs in their families. May they be patriarchs in their cities. May they be patriarchs in their counties. May they be patriarchs here in Tennessee. For those watching the live stream that's praying this right now, God, wherever they're watching from, put a divine blessing on them right now, wherever they're at. God, who has said, I want to live broken before you, Lord, and walk with a limp the rest of my life. God, we ask for your blessing. One that is not transactional, but one that is transformational. We want the blessing that is transformational. Hallelujah, God. We worship you, Lord. Come on, worship team. Can y'all just sing something for us as we soak in the presence of God? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We Menor- Song, huh? I'll tell you what, right now we can only imagine that there's coming a day when Jesus is gonna crack open that sky and return for his bride, and all the imagination's gonna go out the window because you're gonna be caught up in the clouds with your king. And you're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where there will be no more weeping. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. And we'll be with the Lord for eternity. But that starts here and now. With a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I want to encourage you. If you haven't given your life to Jesus. Do it now. you're in this room do it now come on is there anybody in the room that says I want to give my life to Jesus right now has everybody in this room said I've given my life to Jesus the gospel is simple it's believing in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and when you put your faith and trust in him he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life it's that simple You give your life to him, though, some things are going to change. Some things are going to shift. The things that used to not bother you, they will. Because the Spirit of God will dwell in you. Is there anybody in the room? Come on, right here, right now is your moment. So watch this. That means every single one of us have made that decision. And if we've made that decision... I encourage you, I implore you, walk broken before the Lord. Walk broken before the Lord. Walk with that limp you received today for the rest of your life that says, God, I can't do anything without you. And I felt heavily the instruction of the Holy Ghost before I close this out to say this. If you are struggling with things, You're struggling with with sin. Your marriage is struggling. You're struggling with this. You're struggling with that. You're struggling with identity crisis going on on the inside of you. If you have a struggle, I implore you, meaning I'm begging you to get alone with God in a prayer closet until He wrestles that stuff up out of you. Fast pray, be broken before the Lord lock yourself in a room with God and hold on to Him until the shift happens hold on to Him until He purges that thing up out of you that you're dealing with if you shut the door and you go away with Him in secret I promise you He'll show up don't get weary, don't get tired get in there and let Him show up Because if he shows up, you'll never be the same. The blessing of God is not transactional. It's transformational. Come on, if you believe that, can you give God a hand clap offering and a shout of praise in this place today? Hallelujah. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. Lord, I bless your holy name, God. I thank you, God, for what has took place in the house of God today. That, God, we gathered in a building and you came that God, the word went forth. We worshiped you and praised you. There was an oil poured out in the room. Your sweet presence was here and your power was here. And God, your blessing is here because there's some broken people, God. So let us walk before you broken, Lord. Let us hide the seed of this word in our heart and let us plant it in our heart that it would bring forth a crop, that it would bring forth a harvest. God, we praise you and bless your holy name. Jesus' name that I pray in the church said, Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to support the ministry of the Recovery to Recovered podcast, you could go to canvaschevyville.com or be the Bush If you're enjoying the content that you are receiving here on the show, you can also follow me on social media on TikTok at Pastor Caleb Mack as well as Instagram, Pastor Caleb Mack and on Facebook under Caleb McCall. Be
1: blessed. Until next time on the Recovery to Recovered Podcast.